coming up on this episode of Backview Shenanigans. You know, at 15, I started selling, selling dope every day, getting drunk, getting high, smoking, having sex, fornicating. I mean, that's just what I did. By the time I was 23 years old, I was a full patch member, chosen few motorcycles. I still got the tattoo, but that was my in and out date, 2007 to 2012. And they hit me with charges. Um, it, conspiracy to commit a violent crime with dangerous weapons in aid of racketeering it was a rival club they shot at me they rammed into me at 45 miles an hour and i took me off of my motorcycle back podcast with brian connor and josh this is the first time i'm having a a guest. A guest. Yeah. On the How's it feel, dude? So that's kind of cool. cool. You feel honored? Sure. Good. We feel Thanks, honored. <laughs> you should... Never again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited that the, you know, finally worked out times to get together. Um, so, Mike Segul. Before we get into... <clears throat> like I know like your story is like there's got a lot of serious stuff and everything like that in your story sure and uh, your testimony sure. and I mean I was kind of praying like who we could have on and I was definitely feeling a lot of people could get help from having you on sure but I want to start at Brian had a couple of things I kind of want to you know we'll sandwich it a little bit I don't want to just go serious right too quick yeah yeah so no Brian had a couple of Lighthearted question, just to get to know you yeah, a yeah, little yeah. bit. Cool. Brian's That's got cool. Brian's got some questions. Wait, are we? Are, are we? Start with the animal we fights or with already? the? Uh, oh, yeah, we're, we're going. Oh, we've been. We've been going. going. Like 10 we've been going. Oh, That's since great. The, Was since I telling Mexicans, Puerto Rican jokes too? Mexicans, yeah. Not at all. Shoot. That's all good. Do we want to start with the animal ladder or the other questions? The animal ladder. Whatever, whatever questions you have that aren't like serious or heavy, right? Whatever so, questions. we're going to start with that animal ladder tournament thing. <laughs> so oh, this is yeah, yeah, yeah. Each one of is... us has answered this question on our own interviews. <laughs> uh-huh. So you're in a room, and there's another animal across from you. And the only way you're getting out of this room is if one of you dies. It's a fight to the death. It's a fight to the death. Okay. So. Are you beating a rat? Am I what? Like if you if, if you, you have a fight if you're death, stuck in a room, room with a rat with a rat are you killing a rat? Can you beat it? Can I beat it? I don't know, but I'll try. This is it's got to be it's what gonna, you think. It's going to keep going. It's a ladder. This it's is like in going. your mind. What do you think you could beat? Okay, you think you could beat a rat? Of course. How about a house cat? Yes. A raccoon. Yes. A pit bull. That's going to be a tough one, but I'll give it a try. All right. After this stage, you get a knife of your choosing. Okay. Yeah. No guns, so but... You got you got a knife now. A blade, yeah. Okay. Are you beating a mountain lion? Am I beating a mountain lion? I got... I don't know. I got a knife right here. Are you beating a mountain lion with that? <laughs> if I get a lucky strike... Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's pretty much You got to get out. It's the only way out is through that mountain lion. All okay. Right. An African lion. 
I can't say if I'm going to beat it or not. I'm going to try. Uh-huh. I'm going to get the two. Get to the two that. Yeah. I already so said one. There's the main two there's that we always do. Tiger like, or. The bear. Oh, my. The bear. Yeah. yeah. The bear. Are you killing a bear? I don't know. I, I I would say probably. You think you got a shot? Twenty five percent. Okay. Yeah. Twenty. How can you envision that? Like, how would you? How would I? Perfect scenario. That? I would wait till the bear stood up and was going to come at me with his, you know, paws and claws, mm-hmm. and then I would enter and sneak up in between those paws, and I would go for the jugular. Just shank. That's what I would do. Just prison shanking. Yeah, because I can't get through the rib cage. Because normally you'd want to take a heart shot on the bear, mm-hmm. right? If you were going to use a bow and arrow or a bullet, you'd go. You just the same thing with hunting with any animal. You're going to want to take the lungs and the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but since those probably won't be available to me, and you got to be super precise, so fine motor skills are probably in a fight or flight. You. Most of the time, even for people who train, they lose their fine motor skills. So it would have to be a gross movement, and I think that's a big enough target for me to try to take would be the jugular vein to try to bleed them out. But, the, but I mean, like there's stories, and you can watch videos like a lion uh, Afri- on, the, on the African safari. You know, you'll see people that will shoot a lion, and the lion will still run 100 yards and kill the person. Mm. Or you'll see people that shoot a bear or stick one with their, and they'll charge them. Mm-hmm. So there's probably going to be a lot more than blood on the ground, you know? <laughs> uh, so, when the CSI comes through with the yeah, black light, you, like, oh. yeah, you better hope you went to Don't the bathroom before that bear came in the room. <laughs> I want to know how big is their, like their opening, you know what I'm saying, of their mouth? Like when they're it's probably like, ah. super big. So I wouldn't want a knife that's, Four inches longer than that. And then I fetal position it up. And then when they come to check me out, like, what's he doing? He's fetal. And then I'd be like, ha-ha! And I'd, and I'd get it right in their mouth. So they go to, they're going to try to bite my arm off. Mm-hmm. But that knife is in there, and it goes into the roof of their mouth. And then it's like, you know, the dog with peanut butter, but it's a, it's a grizzly with a knife in its mouth. Every time it closes its mouth, it just goes in its brain yeah. a little more. Yeah. I actually heard that the way that you stop a bear attack is to gag it. I heard this guy, uh, my brother, I, I don't know if you sent it to me or my brother sent it to me I think I might too. have sent it to you. That, that comedian? comedian? Yeah, yeah. He said that he had a friend, he knew a friend of a friend that like got attacked by a bear and he got away because he shoved his hand and gagged the bear. Shoved it in his mouth. Just play dead. Right. I don't know how hard Maybe. It, Who came good. up with that though? The bears? Uh, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> Just don't play dead. We I won't don't... eat you if you're there's, playing there's on the animals, There's animals that will actually play dead. You know what I'm saying? It works. Yeah. It's a defense possum. mechanism. Yeah. You're pretty level, level-headed fella. Me? Yeah. What? I'm I, right. There's a lot of people that feel they could beat so many things that they really couldn't. No. You know? So it's like a tell... You know, I like to see where people are at. I, I want to hear like a little bit about... Your testimony. I want to maybe. Can we start with maybe a little bit of who you were before you got saved? Sure. I mean, I don't know where you want to start. You want to start where you know, growing up, or 
wherever you uh, wherever you feel that. I just like I want to. I mean, I can run. What, th- did, what did God save you from? You know, what, who was who'd you who'd you end up being, and if you want to go into why you got there or whatever. I don't. I know. mean, so I can start from the beginning, and I mean, I do have a long testimony, but I won't. Like, I'll try to go through yeah. it quickly, um, and still give some detail. But I mean. Uh, I wasn't raised in a Christian home or anything. Um, I grew up in South Buffalo, Durstein and Seneca Street. And uh, at four years old, I got baptized at St. John's in a Catholic church. Um, I only can recall going to like church on like the major holidays. Um you know, the twenty fifth of December and the first or second week of April. Um, so we would go to those services and that was it. I mean, um, growing up in, I had, I did, my parents were never together. So as far as I can, my parents weren't married they got, you know, my mother got pregnant with, um, by my father and they were never together. So as far as I can remember, they were never together. They had, you know, when I knew who my mom was and who my dad was, you know, my mom had already been with a new man, uh, and that was my two younger sisters' father. But my younger sisters weren't even a thing then; like they weren't even around. So I have two older sisters, Kelly and Carrie. Uh, Carrie is the oldest; um, she never met her father. My sister Kelly is the second oldest; um, she never met her father. Um, the only time she saw her father was on the news when he got arrested for robbing a bank. And then when he died from a heroin overdose. Um, My dad was the only dad um, who (coughs) was not, um, he wasn't a drug user and he wasn't a drinker or or a woman abuser. Um, Not to my knowledge or recollection or um, I never seen him put his hands on a woman in my whole life. Um, He was a a Buffalo uh, police officer for uh, six years he got laid off in 1993 from he was they called them peace officers but they did everything a police officer did and they had more jurisdictions because they would um patrol the municipalities throughout all of buffalo all the projects he was a project cop okay um so um by the time I was five years old, like, you know, my, my mother and my my stepfather and my mother had gotten married. But, you know, it was not a really good situation. He was a drinker. Uh, when he wasn't drinking, he was a good dude. But when he was drinking, you know, I just always remember as a kid, you'd, you'd see the look in his eyes and, you know, you knew he was drunk and you knew where there was going to be trouble. I mean, I remember at five years old looking out of my window at night across the street from where I lived on Durstein was the corner store because we lived like one house behind the corner of Seneca Street and Durstein. And I can remember seeing um, my stepfather and his uncle, Uncle Uncle Al, they'd be beating the crap out of each other, bloody. My mom had to be screaming. They'd come try to get in the house. Like my stepfather would many times spend his paycheck at the bar. He'd try to come in the house. My mom wouldn't let him in. He'd climb the top porch banging on the door eventually somehow you know he was in the house throwing stuff around beating my mom up you know i remember five years old calling the police on my stepfather you know because he's beating her um 
And that happened a lot through my childhood. I mean, I can remember at least three times having to call the police on him myself, but the police were at our place pretty often. Uh, then we had, I moved all around. I moved to Angola then for a couple years too. Um, still would go back and visit my friends in the, in the city. And then I had moved with my father to West Falls, um, which is by East Aurora Orchard Park. And I went to school out there for like six years. Um, but my dad had been dating. So from the time I was eight, let me, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But from the time I was, I don't know, eight, maybe six. can't exactly remember the age I was when he started dating uh, this woman named Julie. And I actually became best friends with her son. And we would start going to a different church it was a pentecostal church it was called res life in chictawaga and i would go there on and off and uh you know learn about christ and 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 god and and stuff like that and uh, i remember at eight years old in the back seat of the car they asked me i was asked if i wanted to let jesus into my heart and you know heaven or hell you know it's blue skies and you know angels is what you think when you're a little kid um or it's hell and fire and the red devil i remember there there was no restriction what i used to watch on tv when i was a little kid so i'd watch freddy krueger jason and i'd watch i forget the name of the movie um but there was like this scene with the devil and he had these you know he's all red and in this hot place and had these big giant horns and that's all i can think of so you know i asked jesus into my heart never understood any of it you know, and because of that, and I went to church on and off, I would consider myself a Christian when I was younger. Right. Uh, do I believe I was really saved? I don't think so. God knows. Um, I wasn't really explained what repentance, I don't recall being um, explained to what repentance was and sin was and all that. I just remember it was heaven or hell. Um so, you know, fast forwarding to I moved with my father at 11 years old. Um, my mom had then lived in Cattaraugus, so I would go out there for a little while. And then my sister still lived in the city, so now I'm a teenager. Uh, let's just say I'm 15 years old now. My sister lived still lived in South Buffalo. She never left because she was my oldest sister. She ended up getting pregnant at 16 and staying in south buffalo she never moved to uh angola when we had moved to angola she stayed uh, i don't know that whole situation i know it wasn't pretty but i don't know the ins and outs of it um my other two older sisters lived they had a little bit of a different life than i did because i still had that out every weekend i would or every other weekend or whenever it was that my dad would come and get me where they were always at home you know, and my other, my sister Kelly, who we have a great relationship. I mean, we don't see the eye to eye as far as, um, we have disagreements as far as things that are going on in the world. But I mean, I love her dearly. I know she loves me, but she would always say, you know, I, I hated you for that. And I know what she meant. Like she had to stay back. She never had a, a, a way out to get away from the abuse and the nonsense and stuff that was going on in the house. Um, but I did. And um, I ended ended up moving with my dad because I wanted to get all I wanted to get away from all of that too. And I love my dad, 
and uh, we had fun together and we'd hunt together and ride the motorcycle and you know i just loved doing that stuff and and i didn't want to be around the chaos anymore but 15 years old now um you know i started going back to the city back to the city so at about 13 years old the christian life kind of ended for me and I, you know, I remember getting my, the first seat, this first CD, all, Tupac, All Eyes on Me. And after that, it was, you know, Shorty want to be a thug. So I just wanted, I wanted to be a thug. I, I, I moved, you know, at 15, I started selling, selling dope. And um, I would um, go back to my sister's house on the weekends. You know, I mean, I sold dope. I mean, weed. I sold weed uh, for a, for a long time. Um, I, I, um, wasn't doing good in school. Uh, my dad had gotten laid off. He was working two jobs. So, you know, he'd leave at night and he'd be like, you know where the gun is, you know where the shells are. You know, if somebody comes through this door and doesn't, you know, uh, say who they are, or identify themselves, you know, cause he would always say if it was him or not, you know, you know how to use the sights. I mean, I, I grew up hunting and all shooting guns and stuff like that so but um so i would go to church once in a while here and there but my concern all i wanted to do was um sell drugs get drunk get high um have girlfriends i was always encouraged to have more than one girlfriend I mean, I guess it was better than being encouraged to have a boyfriend or be a drag queen, <laughs> like now, like nowadays society is. But um, it, it still wasn't good. Obviously, yeah. it, it wasn't. I mean, it's not the way of the Lord. But um, that's how that's how I was raised. Uh, we would go to church here and there. Again, you know, my father he would always pray though before we. I mean, and that always stuck with me. Like. You know, he was he's a born again Christian. Um I just have a hard time with the whole fact of when somebody says they're a born again Christian. Um and the the fruit is not there. Um it doesn't necessarily mean that they're and not saved. But normally your faith produces works. You're not saved by your works. But a faith that is real, uh, uh, th there's evidence of true salvation in one's heart and fruits are produced. Um, but I'll get more into that. Um, so 15 years old, want short, I want to be a thug, selling drugs. Started rapping, writing my own rhymes. Me and my boys would rap, you know. I mean, I remember uh, I started free would rap to the uh, D uh, I remember when DMX came out there was a CD called uh, It's Dark and Hell is Hot that was like one of my favorite CDs I'd be I remember walking to DJ Spinners you know and just listening to that with my boys and going to meet up and you know get a bottle and do some drinking and smoking and and whatnot so <clears throat> that that carried on up until I was 18 <clears throat> I was still living with my dad but on the weekends I was gone I wanted to do my thing and then I decided okay I'm dropping out of school I'm moving back to the city so I dropped out of high school moved back to the city and it was every day um, every day getting drunk getting high smoking having sex fornicating I mean that's just what I did I was never faithful to any girl 
you know, 21 years old, started selling cocaine, started doing cocaine, started, um, you know, still hanging out on the streets. I had a job. I had a job, though. I mean, that was when I got my, I mean, for 17, I was working at a pizzeria. 18, 19, I was, you know, doing all, doing roofing and stuff like that. 21, I got my first real job. I became a, a prosthetic technician, so I would make arms and legs um, for amputees. Hmm. Um, I did that for three years in the back of a, uh, an orthodontist in a prosthetic place, um, or orthopedic in a, in a prosthetic place. So 22 years old comes around. Um, the motorcycle that I grew up on the back of, I decided to tell my dad, hey, I want to start riding. Um, my dad was a sergeant arms, a member of the Chosen Few Motorcycle Club. Mm-hmm. So I decided I wanted to learn how to ride a motorcycle. So I started riding a motorcycle. And uh, by the time I, w- I started striking me probation for the Chosen Few, by the time I was 23 years old, I was a full patch member, chosen few motorcycles. I still got the tattoo, but that was my in and out date, 2007 to 2012. So I started getting, uh, and full patch means you got the top rocker, bottom rocker, and you got the MC on there. So when you're a probationary, you just got the bottom rocker and the MC. That's it. And then when you get full patch, you get the top rocker, and you get the center patch, and you're a full patch member. So he did that, you know, uh, the, the motorcycle lifestyle, riding, drinking, drugging, having fun is what you, you know, that's what the world calls it. And I, I would say I was having fun. Um, the more, though, like, how do I shorten this up? Like, the, the more drugs I did, though, and the, the more cons- consistent I was at doing it, the more I started to get tired of the drugs and the drinking, though, like, I remember waking up one day and just thinking to myself, or not even waking up, I couldn't go to sleep and the sun was coming up because there would be, you know, the house of the rising sun. You know, the reason it's the house of the rising sun is because there's drugs on the table and you got something that's keeping you up. So, you know, I re- you can't sleep either and you try to take you try to take the downers, you try to take the pills to get you to go to sleep and that messes with your heartbeat as well so not only am i do i got an upper in me i got a downer in me and it's like eight o'clock in the morning and the sun's up and i can't sleep and i'm like now i know why people take their own lives that are addicted to drugs because you start to feel like total garbage but then eventually you get to sleep you wait you sleep through the day while the sun's up when the sun's down you wake up and you do it all over again and um it's just an ongoing monotonous thing. So I'm now I'm 25 years old. So the summer that I was 24, you know, there was some differences between us and another motorcycle club and some things happened. And then one night I'm leaving the bar on my motorcycle and I'm um, get, I'm going to meet my girlfriend at the, the clubhouse, the Chosen Few Clubhouse, while I decided to take this back road. Well, I get, it's like 1.30 in the morning. I'm probably about a quarter mile down the road, and all of a sudden I see this SUV. Like I look in my my not rear view, but my my uh, side mirror on my motorcycle, and I see this SUV coming behind me. I'm like, man, it's the cops. They're gonna pull me over. You know, they they know I left the bar. I know they know I left the bar. You know, 
I probably got about five shots in me. I got about five beers in me, and I'm you know heading to the clubhouse to meet my girlfriend. So I'm like, I kick, I remember kicking the the gear down the fourth gear. I look down and now I'm doing 45. It's dropping to about 40, 45, and all of a sudden, right behind me, like I'm telling you, this in the matter of 10 seconds, I hear this engine fire up on the side of me, and I'm like. Oh. The cops, they're pulling up on the side of me. I'm thinking it's one of the big suburban state police <clears throat> trucks. All of a sudden, I hear boom, gunshot. And then next thing you know, I'm rolling down the road. Well, they shot at, it, it was a rival club. They shot at me. They rammed into me at 45 miles an hour. And I took me off of my motorcycle. And I rolled down the road, roll up to my feet. And I see my motorcycle laying in the front yard, and I'm, like, looking down the road, and I can just see this. I, I It was a black SUV. So I just see the SUV going. I'm like, I got to get the license plate number, you know. So I run over to my motorcycle, and I go to pick it up, and I could barely pick it up. Like, my elbow was shot. My knee was shot. Mm. Finally, I get it up, and I look down, and I was, like, so disappointed because I had just rebuilt my whole motorcycle. <laughs> now the inner primary's got a big hole in it. Oh, big. Man big dent in the gas tank my handlebars are all twisted so whatever you know it's just like I, I like i call it picking my motorcycle back up and not learning from it but getting right back on the highway to hell man um you know i, I just had a lot of vengeance that was built up in me like somebody tried to take my life meanwhile my daughter Belle gabriella who's 14 now, she was still in her mother's womb, and um, I don't know, it's just like, I was young and dumb and not even thinking about, you know, my daughter coming into the world, I never even, I didn't have a child at that time, so I didn't know what it was like, you know, I'm still living this independent biker, thug yeah. kind of lifestyle, you know, I got no responsibilities. I'm not tied down. I'm just going to go out and do what I want to do. And that's it. Like, I was chosen few forever. I used to have a tattoo on my chest that said 36 forever. And, well, I'm in the, I was in the process of getting it covered up with a lion's head. But then, you know, that whole process stopped. Like, I got a lot of unfinished tattoos. But when, you know, my life changed, I just decided to stop getting tattooed. Yeah. Um my life changed a few times. <laughs> so, um, 25 years old now, you know, these things are going back and forth between the clubs and now the FBI get involved. They're doing investigations, you know, about, you know, two clubs warring with each other. They made a bigger deal out of it than it was. And, you know, um, we had, I had kind of gotten over it six months later of, you know, people trying to take my life. And then um, somehow the FBI got an informant into our motorcycle club who made up a lot of a bunch of lies, and him and 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 the feds did uh, conspired together and lied to the grand jury, which it even came out in the courtroom. So. Um, was he just trying to make a name for himself? Yeah, I don't know if he got there. in trouble or if he got busted with something, but he became an informant. And he had wiretaps on people, and they had a wiretap on me, and then they're talking about, you know, they had things that I said. I mean, it, it was in the the newspaper and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I can, I don't even feel like getting into that, but it's just like, yeah. 
So, you know, next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I get arrested. Um, 22 of us get arrested. And I'm on uh, pretrial probation now. They, uh, I sat in jail for a couple weeks. So I'm in, I'm in jail. I'm 25 years old. And they hit me with charges. Um, conspiracy to commit a violent crime with dangerous weapons in aid of racketeering. So uh, the state charge for the conspiracy to commit a violent crime with dangerous weapons is 3 to 7. On a state charge, a RICO charge that they hit me with is 20 years on a federal charge. Um, you get convicted of that. If you go to trial and get convicted against the feds, it's 98% of your time. So that happens to me. I get hit with all these charges. You know, I had to turn myself in. I don't even want to go through all that. I mean, that's a not a podcast thing because it takes time to go yeah. through that. But it's like, uh, so here I am. I'm in jail with a club brother. You know, um, uh, there's the, where I am, they house all the inmates. And there's two levels to this pod, they would call them. And I remember sitting in my uh, jail cell. They wouldn't. They they said that I was a menace to society. They wouldn't hold post bail for me. I, I went twice to try to get bail. I pleaded with the judge the second time because the first time I was just like, you know, I've been here, done that. I've been arrested a few times in my life. Mm. You know, I know what happens. You know, you, you get out, you go to court, and I mean, I was never. I was charged with things. I was never convicted with anything because people just wouldn't show up to court. Because they were guilty of whatever the charges they were trying to press against me. And those those are stories for other times. But it's just like, and I don't try to be prideful about these things or like, look at me, I've been through all this. I only say this for the fact of is that uh, I want God to have all the glory because yeah, I wouldn't be sure. sitting here today. I mean, I didn't even think I would... Uh, before all this happened to me, I didn't think I was going to live to see 19 years old. I was already using drugs, and I thought I was going to die by the time I was 18 years old. I had some crazy stuff happen in my life, happened to me physically in my body where I'm like, I'm going to be dead in a year, you mm -hmm. know, because of the stupid drugs that I was using. But anyways, you know, 25, you know, the, uh, they wouldn't let me out of, uh, of jail. I was, you know, I was there for just about two weeks, and then finally I was let out, but... Um, the Sunday before I got let out of jail, uh, I was standing in my jail cell with a club brother, a guy who was in the club with me, and uh, there there was a guy going around asking who wanted to go to the Sunday services. And uh, when they said that, all of a sudden this pride and puffed upness came in my chest, and I got my club brother here, I'm like, thinking to myself well I, that's for weak people you know hmm. i'm not going to church right like i had already had the answer prepared so the guy comes to my you know i'm standing i remember standing in my cell like this our bunks are here my club brother's right here and here's the window and the guy comes and says Does anybody want to go to church and before he even got church out of his mouth i was like no and right at that moment that i said no it was like a lightning bolt hit me like hard and like it was a feeling that I had never experienced in my life before ever. Like I've had the goosebumps, but this was different. Like the hair down the back of my spine stood up all the way up to my head. Like I remember feeling this, like all these things at once. And I was just like, 
wow, this is nothing that has ever happened to me before. Like, mm. I knew there was something different about it. Like, why at the moment that I say no? Like, I, I look back on the story now, but it's like, why at the moment that I say no and all these things happen? But I could just remember that happening. Um, and all I can think of at that time was God. That's all I can think of was God. And I just was like, I started thinking about it more and more. And I'm like, man, I need to go to church. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was like in the snap of a finger, like my heart just flipped. It really did. It like, it went from like uh, this dead cold heart, seriously, to like, it felt like, you know, now it's beaten. Like it, it's just, it's the most craziest thing. And then I remember looking out the window and seeing this dude walk around like this and he starts to go down the stairs and I'm looking and right before he goes out through the corridor, there was like this little tunnel kind of corridor where you would go out and then the gates, the, the doors would open and then you'd walk down this hall and there's the pot on this side and a pot on this side where I was. I mean, you could see through the glass, you know, and, um, I just yelled. I said, I want to go to church like that I just yelled man like here here I was not wanting to go and now here I am just yelling like I need to go to church so I go to church and there's this pastor giving a sermon in there and uh at the end of the sermon you know he's closing up and uh, he says uh I got to open my bible back up he goes the lord's putting something on my heart he goes and I think you know, I, I got to read it. He goes, he goes, maybe it's for somebody here. He goes, but I, this wasn't even part of my sermon, but uh, I'm going to read it. And he opens up to Matthew 22, 14. And it says, for many are called and few are chosen. And it, it was like, it brought me right back to the clubhouse, the chosen few clubhouse. Cause there's a huh. plaque on the wall in the chosen few clubhouse with a guy riding a motorcycle with ape hangers. And it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. But it didn't have a Bible verse underneath it. It was sure. almost like they took, somebody yeah. knew that and they took it from the Bible and made it a plaque there. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't even know if anybody else knew what it meant. I mean, I didn't know it was from the Bible. I mean, I don't recall knowing that it was mm. from the Bible. And it just hit me, you know. I mean, like, and then he, you know, said, you know, does anybody here want to give their life to Christ or renew their a relationship with the Lord, you know, if during his invitation time, the prayer time, you know, raise your hand, and I raised my hand, and and then I left there, and I'm walking back down to, we get back to our pod, and I'm getting, I'm walking to my jail cell, and one of the, I was in there with like seven Latin kings uh, from Buffalo, and um, one of the Latin kings comes up to me, and he hands me a, a New Testament, and he says, you're going to need this. But he didn't even, I don't even think he knew I was coming from church, mm. but he just he came up to me with this New Testament and said, you're going to need this. Like, I went to my jail cell, man. I dropped to my knees and started praying, and, like, I remember being on my knees. Like, I was the only one in my pod, too. I dropped to my knees and um, put my elbows on my bed, and I just, you know, asked the Lord for forgiveness and said, I'm sorry, like crying, weeping, you know, and, you know, asked Jesus to come into my life. And I just started, like, I would, I just started reading that New Testament. I, that was, that was the first memory verse I ever memorized was in there. And it was the Lord's Prayer. Hmm. Um, so that's what I did. And then I got out and I just wanted to start living a different life. Uh, I, I, the Lord exposed, or yeah, exposed 
shoot he he exposed my dark heart to me when i was in jail like mm. i realized that it was nobody else okay yeah i knew a lot of what the the feds were saying weren't true um right. they did have me saying some incriminating things um but i but i didn't do anything to anybody um i think they were just trying to use me to get to hire up people i mean i went through tr pre-trial probation for two and a half years but i'll get a little in more into that if i'm going too long just tell me no, we might have to do another part two or something <laughs> um but anyways i um part two part three part four <laughs> yeah. um anyways i uh where was i going Probation? Yeah, probation. For two years. So two and a half. So I did two. It was two thousand nine, and then two thousand December two thousand and eleven was uh, was when all the 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 case got dismissed. Actually, they dropped all the charges. Um, but anyways, so I I got out of jail and uh, oh while I was in prison, it was, the Lord just showed me like. I put myself where I was. Okay, maybe I didn't commit the crimes they said that that I committed, and I didn't. Um, but the company I chose to keep got me where I was. The lifestyle with the drugs and the drinking, and 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 the women and doing what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And <laughs> I remember two weeks before I got arrested. Uh, we had a diaper party. My friends threw me a diaper party for, for Bella. Hmm. And uh, I'm walking down Edson Street because that's where I lived at the time in South Buffalo. Um, I lived on Edson. And I'm walking down the street and my boy's coming back from the liquor store and he got me a bottle of Goldschlager. And, like, I'm walking with this bottle of Goldschlager in my hand. And I don't even remember how the conversation came up. But we started talking about God. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I'm like, you don't have to go to church to believe in God. Like, we were talking about that. And then two minutes later, I'm chugging this gold bottle of Goldschlager down, you know. Mm. And then I'm going to this keg party. And then, you know, this is two weeks before I got arrested, which is the craziest thing. Then my daughter was born on Good Friday. And it was just like this series of events. According to the American calendar, my daughter was born on Good Friday. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. but this series of events that happened that, like, I'm like, there's... So, I was, like, a, a superstitious person until then. As a kid, I was always superstitious. Like, I would count. Everything I did, it was counted. It had to end in an even number. When I stopped looking at the clock, I had to end in an even number. I was crazy, you know, as a little <laughs> kid. But there was trauma that caused that, too, as a little yeah, kid yeah, looking yeah. back. So, anyways, it's just Don't like... step on a crack. You break you your mother's break back. Your so, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that so I didn't break my dad's back. Yeah, it's yeah, nuts. Yeah, like, yeah, seriously, yeah. like, I was like... I went crazy as a little kid for a little while, man. I, I really did. Um, I, I just, but I held it in. Um, I really liked what you said a couple of minutes ago about uh, the, just the terminology that you used about that God exposed to you your dark heart. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think about that in my own life. Like when, kind of, you're just like, you're sailing through, but it's like every one of us, it's like, okay, this is our life and it's our story. Mm -hmm. And then there's been those times where God's exposed that to me. Like, okay, take a step back and read your story. You're the one who got yourself here. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's a really, 
I don't know if, I don't know what the right word is like terrifying or sad or just sobering. the real the, the sobering, sobering realization yeah, yeah. when you realize that you're not the good guy in your own story right you're like well, I'm, I'm the bad guy right and then you then it's like God exposes okay everybody else has a story and then like so that was a big thing for me is how many other people's stories am I I'm their villain right you know and that that was like well I, I remember just was just what you said like God exposed your dark heart and I I remember that moment too yeah that's, that's I didn't mean to cut you off. No, just, no, like that's cool. I mean, I don't, to, I don't want to be a, just, a, 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 I don't want to hog the mic either. That's what we used to say to each other when we'd freestyle on the, on the <laughs> kind of corners when we used to battle rap. Yo, hog, you're hogging the mic. But anyways, yeah. Um, Spitting straight <laughs> fire, bro. But anyways, anyways, it was, you know, so I got, I got, I get out of jail and I'm on pre- pre-trial probation and i'm reading my bible so it's like so i'm i couldn't go back to my house because of what happened there okay so that's a part of that i left out the fbi kicked my door and at six o'clock in the morning when they originally came to arrest me i was living with my mom at the time you know paying half of the rent and still paying some you know still you know helping out with bills or whatever needed help on her vehicle and stuff like that so i wasn't just living off of my mom you know i was i had a job and i was helping helping pay bills too but um they kicked the door in at six in the morning they shot my dog they they shot my dog twice actually and you know here's my front door here's the couch where my little sister was sleeping and here's the dog and they shot over the couch and they shot the dog and then they came around and shot the dog again and they interrogated my family i mean it's dark outside so then they call me and you know that's a whole other story but i had to turn myself in so i turned myself into the fbi and uh, i ended up turning myself in so then went to jail got by that when i get out of jail um i'm i'm this different person like i want to be this different person now like uh, I'm I, I'm not wearing this hard guy persona anymore. I mean, I, listen, I was 23 years old, and the next oldest guy with me that I was hanging that was in the mo- in chosen few motorcycle club was 33. Then it was 36. Then it was 40s, 50s, and 60s. I mean, I'm I'm this young kid um, who's a man, you know, according to the world's eyes, is a man, mm-hmm. and I'm you know I'm, I'm hanging around all these older people. I mean, I've it's like. I, I lived three lifetimes in one is like how I feel my yeah. life went at, at a young age. By the time I was 25 years old, I mean, yeah. I, I was doing things that 25 year old kids aren't doing. I mean, I was doing things at five years old that I couldn't, I look back on and think like, dude, I mean, I was smoking at five. I was stealing at five. I was running the streets at five. I mean, it was different back then when I, in the eight, in the, in the late eighties and early nineties, you know, you came home when the street lights were on, yeah. but I'm running the Cas park. I'm going up and down Seneca street. I'm running through the neighborhood at five years old with no supervision. I mean, I started looking at pornography at five years old. It was introduced to me because I was playing manhunt with my older friends who were eight. And then there was another older friend who was 16 that we played manhunt with. And we have like this igloo in his backyard and all the dirty magazines. So at five years old, man, I mean, I was introduced to all that. I was thinking about sex at six years old, thinking about, you know, 
having a girlfriend and having sex. I can remember it at six years old. I mean, I was a. There's so much to talk about. I was I was addicted to pornography. The Lord delivered me from that, though. The Lord delivered me from alcohol and drugs and and all of that stuff. So. Anyways, I get out of prison. Let's get back to here and or jail because it wasn't prison yet. It was jail. Same same thing to me. You're behind bars with a bunch yeah, of inmates, yeah. man. <laughs> they control what you do. You don't control what you do. You're told that door what closes you do. and exactly. you have no authority. Exactly. To open now up. you're right. I've been you're, in the holding center. That was enough you know for me. What I'm saying. So it's just like um, I get out now. I couldn't go back to my house, so I had to go back with you know Bella's mom. Um, I had to move in with her So I move in with her And I'm trying to make things right I'm trying to get You know I started thinking about marriage And now she's all weirded out About how I'm acting Because I'm acting <laughs> different And this is how she wanted me To act originally But without the whole Jesus thing And You know So We're living together You know I didn't have anywhere to go I had to be there Because you know I got a GPS tracking device On my hip like a phone that I had to wear. I had an ankle bracelet on that I had to wear and I had to be by this monitor and it needed to be somewhere in a home or a residence or else they weren't going to let me out of jail. So that had to happen. So anyways, you know, it's not looking like we're going to get married. She's not liking the person who I used to be and now it's hard for her to heal from all the crap that I did to her too. So we end up splitting I end up getting my own place uh, with a roommate, you know, in South Buffalo still. And um, m my best friend, who was no longer around, he he had died a, f a few years prior. So he, he he died the the night of going in. He died February 19th, the, night, the, the day before I was going to turn 21. Uh, he had flipped his truck, and he got tossed from it, and he, he got killed. And... Um, so me and his mom still had a relationship, and she's like, "I got to take you to this church." Um, so I started going to the chapel at Cross Point, and you know, the chapel at Cross Point to me was refreshing. I was always used to going into these, um, what seemed to me like dark churches, like the Roman Catholic Church, yeah. or you know, and I wasn't crazy about about the church that I was going to. The Pentecostal church that I was going to as a younger kid, I can tell you st <laughs> stories about that too, but you know, it only take more time. But, anyways, it's just like I start going to the chapel at Cross Point and Pastor Jerry Gillis, you know, who I, I love, Pastor Jerry Gillis to this day. You know, I have good friends in that church. Yeah. You know, Pastor Leroy Wiggins, before he was a pastor, we were great friends. You know, a great Christian brother of mine, Eric Maldonado, who still goes to that. I they used to work with Eric Maldonado. Yeah, he's a he's that a, Yeah, he's a. We were in the same cubicle. Man. He's a good friend of mine. That's funny. Very no good kidding. friend of mine. Yeah. So when I started getting into the church and going to that vintage thing that we were talking about, like I met Eric Maldonado was one of the first men that I met him and Leroy Wiggins, and and the reason is is because I was on fire. Like I needed the Lord, man. Like I went to the chapel and I like. I had never heard preaching like that. Like, I actually was feeling conviction. Uh, uh, like, maybe it was because the Holy Ghost had, had already, well, he did, obviously. When I gave my life to the Lord, he, you know, he came into my heart yeah. and I was pursuing. And so I was going to that church. 
decided, you know, right before I um, turned 26, I decided I wanted to get baptized. So I got baptized. And and then I got, I became a, a member of that church. And um, I was working at Trippy Foods at the time as a front loader in, in South Buffalo. And I remember being on fire for the Lord, man. I, I, I went to everything. I went to vintage. I went to the community groups they had. I think they were called like satellite groups at the time where men would meet together at like a Panera Breads or something and have a little Bible study. And um, I would do, I would do all that stuff and I would do the vintage Monday nights. And and anything, I would go to the college campus for, for like a youth group kind of thing. I was just on fire for the Lord and I, and I was reading the Bible. You know, I didn't have the real Bible. And that's another topic. But um, I was reading I was reading the NIV and doing that. And like things weren't making sense to me. I know why now, but things just weren't making sense to me. I still had questions about my salvation and everything. Hmm. What year but was this? This was uh, 2012, 13-ish. Okay. No, 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 no. Hang on. Sorry. 2010. 2010 through 2011 and I remember working at trippy foods and I remember praying to the Lord like I mean I was still going through pre-trial probation so there's still a chance I'm if we go to trial and we lose I'm doing 25 years right right because That's they had given stress. me plea deals but you know I, I wasn't gonna tell on my dad who was the vice president of the chosen view who got arrested who was facing 160 years I wasn't going to tell on the president. They wanted me to to tell them everything that I knew. And, you know, I'm not going to tell them anything. And there's nothing for me as far as I'm concerned. There's nothing f for me to tell them anyways. Like, what right. do you want me to tell you? Uh, and anyway, but so I'm going through all that. And I just remember praying like, Lord, don't let this be the only reason that I'm seeking you is because I want to be delivered from not going to jail. I mean, I just had a child, you know, and when Gabriella came into this world, like she totally changed me. Like the Lord used her too. like, she totally, that totally changed my life. It totally changed my heart. It totally changed me emotionally. And, you know, I was growing spiritually. So, um, the spirit was kind of, keeping my emotional st stability um, it was giving me some emotional stableness stability and and it was a more of a mature emotion than an immature emotion where I'm not just acting out of emotions and then yeah. regretting it later but I'm like <laughs> you know I'm thinking like wow she's like the Lord's using her to change my life and it, m more so Christ is changing my life you know but as in, as a babe in Christ, you don't really realize that, right? Sure. You know, because we're so attached to our emotions, and it's so about us. It always is. And as as a baby Christian, and 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 when you first come to Christ, and even afterwards, I mean, I think it takes. Um, and this isn't saying anything about me, but right, you're supposed to grow in your faith, and once it starts becoming about God. And what he's done for you and wanting to do nothing but bring him glory, even if you suffer in the meantime, like Christ did, then your, then your maturity and your relationship with the Lord doesn't really grow at all. And you don't, you don't get any more understanding because your prayers are centered on you. Your, your salvation is centered on you. And it's kind of like 
uh, this magic eight ball or this 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 magic genie you kind of treat god like a genie like god if you do this for me then i'll do this for you god right. deliver me from this or, or god would you please not let me get this or go through this or you know when does your prayers ever just start with a thanksgiving and right. and and continue how about just for the clean water that you have to drink or how about just for waking up uh, that you can still move that you still have two feet and two legs that you can walk on that you're still breathing on your own and you don't need a assistance from a machine you know so so that's what I started realizing was like, you know, um, my prayers need to be more centered towards the Lord. But when I first started, they were centered towards me. Right. You know what I mean? And, and then I was praying, Lord, like, please don't let me just get delivered from this and go back to the way that I was. Because deep down inside, I still had like this feeling in me like I could so easily go back. You know, I still got my motorcycle patch. I still got my colors. I still got everything, yeah. right? So, and then it was like, slowly, like, once I got removed from probation, slowly, I started, and this is before the, even the charges were dropped, I started, like, slowing down how much I was going to church. And, like, so after about a year and a half being on fire for the Lord, I kind of, like, just slowed down. And then come here comes the day where we finally get the the mo um, the motion to dismiss was granted. The judge granted dismissed the whole case, and uh, that night I put my motorcycle colors on, met up with all my club brothers at the bar. Uh, this was in December of two thousand and eleven. I'm pretty sure it was. It was after our. I don't know the exact date the charges were sure. dropped. It could have been in the beginning of two thousand and twelve, but I remember it was. December, January. So I went out and we started drinking and partying. And from 2012 until 2017, I became this backslidden Christian, like hard. You know, I went back to the drink. I never went back to the motorcycle club, but I went back to riding motorcycles. I even started my own riding club. It wasn't a MC, yeah, RC, yeah. but it was a riding club. We called ourselves the Strange, and it had like this <laughs> these ohms. Like I got see these ohms. I got, you know, then the ohm ohm. It was like this Buddhist is like they believed the ohm was the sound of creation, and you know I started getting into all that. Man, that's another freaking path. <laughs> but um, but so I. Was became this backslidden christian and drinking and fornicating and like i struggled hard i knew what i was doing was wrong but it was like once i went back down that road it was hard to get away from it and i didn't i wasn't selling drugs and any of that but here and there recreationally i would use them um and then i had met uh, oh man i got some. then were you back with with your old girl at that time? Did no, so I or? didn't. We were on and off. We were on and off. And then, um, so as you all, I don't know if you all know this or not, but I mean, Bella and Briella are Desi's stepchildren. Right. So Bella and Briella don't have the same mom. So, like, I remember, like, wanting to be married and have a wife and not have any kids out of wedlock. Well, when I started being becoming this backslidden Christian, I got in touch with an old girlfriend, and we were going on and off and, you know, having fun at night and, you know, fornicating, which I'm having sex out of wedlock again, and supposedly she's on birth control, and we have sex, and then, you know, 
you know, I talked to her about, look, listen, I'm 30 years old. I want to have, uh, I want to get married. I want to have a family. And, you know, she is a bartender. And so one night I get, come back from hunting and I go to the bar that she's working at. And I'm like, you know, where is she? And you know, I'm not going to drop names or anything, but I'm like, where is she? You know, she's not behind the bar. And my friends are like, oh, she's outside. She'll be in in a minute. Well, she comes walking in with one of my boys. And I didn't even know, like, he didn't know that we were dating at all. And I didn't know that she was dating him, too. So oh, she's, like, dating man. two of us. Like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm living in Black Rock in she's Buffalo now. She's pulling at now. you. No. Yeah. yeah, she was pulling at me, right? So here I am, want to be serious now. And now I'm getting played, you know. I'm not oh, the player man. anymore, you know. I'm the one getting the game played on. So... So I, uh, she comes walking in with my boy and I'm like, are you, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm like, me too. You know, and I, <laughs> he's like, no, he's like, no, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so like he's got her, her ring with her name on it, on his hand and stuff like that. And we're just like laughing and joking back and forth, you know? So I leave that wow. night and I'm like, I'm like, that's it. That's done. Like. I called her. I said, that's it. We're done. Don't ever call me again. None of that. And she tries calling me. I'm like, listen, if you call me again, I'm blocking your number. So she tries to call me again. I block her number. Two weeks later, I go walking into. So I've done martial arts for a total of 15 years. And I go walking. I had started doing jujitsu again because I was allowed to. Now, I wasn't allowed to do it while I was going through this probation stuff and everything that I was going through it was just better that I didn't so um and that's another story inside of itself but um I go walking into the join us for part yeah I go I go walking into the jujitsu class and I see this girl there and I'm like man she looks familiar so we're on the mat train and I'm like I know you she's like no you don't I'm like where'd you go to school so she tells me I'm like so did I. I said, I was on the late bus because I was in in-school suspension. You were on the late bus because, you know, because my wife, Desi, she wrestled. She wrestled on the boys' wrestling team. She's a tough girl. She'll kick you in the head. Trust me, I know. Um, uh, so she was there. And for whatever other, she was on the track team as well. So we start kicking it off. Now, this is like two weeks after I totally kicked this other chick out of my life because she was messing around on me. And so me and Desi start dating, and we're dating for, you know, a year, almost a year. And we decided that we were going to start hustling vitamins because we were both in the fitness, you know, so we joined up with this company, and they had a good vitamin program, so we're going to start hustling vitamins. So we start friending everybody on Facebook, and I friend my the girl I broke up with only because we had been childhood friends you know, yeah. through teenage years too, and Des and um and we were just gonna, me yeah, and Desi weren't jealous guys. about yeah, each yeah. other, so we were just I do we were just about hustling vitamins. Well, I'm out in the woods hunting one day, and I I'm sitting down at the tr- bottom of a tree deer hunting, and all of a sudden I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see the girl prior to Desi, her Facebook page come up with a child on the front of it like this baby and i'm like all of a sudden i got hit in the stomach i'm like man that kind of looks like bella like my oldest daughter and i'm like yeah it's got to be her niece or something so i'm hunting a couple hours later i sit back down at the bottom of a tree i'm scrolling facebook 
another picture of her. I'm like, and uh, I'm telling you, I knew it right at that second that the child was mine. So, and this is happens to be Briella now. So I reach out to her. Is there any chance the child can be mine? Well, yeah, there is a chance, blah, blah, blah. And she's engaged now. And this is a... Dude, my I could my life is could could be a soap opera, like seriously, like we could have a a, a season on on the life of Mike Segul, you know. But anyways, uh, probably more. But anyway, um, so I'm like, well, I need to know. So I end up finding out she's my child, and then I have to take two more DNA tests, and then all this court stuff going on because her mother has problems. And blah blah blah, and and anyways, I end up getting sole custody of her, me and Des. So now she lives with us. I have primary residential custody of the oldest one. Like I fought hard for them for years, and you know I had Bella since she's been five and a half, six years old, and Bree since she was two and a half. But I mean, I met her when I when she was three. And then in January, so September, October, November, December, January. So when she was four months old, she started coming to my house every weekend. Hmm. Um, so that happened, and I and I that day that that happened in the woods, where I reached out and said, "Is there a chance she could be mine?" She says, "Yes." I'm like, like it was. I'm like, well, I gotta tell Des, you know, about this. So I tell Des, and I'm like, I'm like, listen, this is what's happened, and Des wants a kid too, and all that, and this is what happened, and um, you know, I understand if you want to leave, and um, she's like, well, no, I'll love her just as much as I love Gabriella, and I'm like, okay, you know, so, you know, Des, she's a born again Christian, and she was when I met her, I was a born again Christian, and she, you know, I was when we met each other. Now I'm backslidden as all heck. Yeah. And she is too, kind of, because we're living together. And we're going out and drinking and doing what we're doing. And now this is 2017. Um, going into 2018 and 19, I mean, it, our drinking uh, together started getting... not. It's not like we were drunks, but when we would drink together and there was... I didn't talk so nice to her. Um, it would come out, and there's been a couple times where we've fought, and it's nothing that I'm only telling you this. I mean, it would I would be ashamed of it, but Christ took all my shame, so I can tell these stories, and and I'll tell it to anybody, uh, because it it gives honor and and glory to the Lord and how He's changed our lives. Um, I remember one day just telling her, you know, uh, we were we had been out to a restaurant to eat we had a couple drinks and you know we would get along here and there and then we wouldn't and you know again i would not say you know i'd call her a b and i told her the one night i'm like you know if you don't like it here there's that effing door you get the f out and i came back the next day and her stuff was gone and I, bella was i don't even know how old bella was it was 2017 uh, 2000 and yeah, seventeen going, no, two thousand and sixteen going in the seventeen. So she was gone. I brought Bella home with me, and she goes. Um, she used to call her Desi Mama. She calls her Mama now, but or Ma now, but um, because she is her mom basically, um, in all reality, you know. 
she didn't give birth to her, but she's her mother. Um, she asked where she was. I said, I'm sorry, honey. She went back to Grandma Stella's. She's She's gone. And Bella hung on to my leg and started bawling her eyes out. And, dude, at that point in time in my life, it just hit me. Like, I'm like, Lord, what have I done? Like, I, you've delivered me from this 25 years in prison. You know, I promise you I'd never go back to the way that, well, I wouldn't go back to the motorcycle club, but I that I wouldn't go back to that kind of lifestyle either. And I, I didn't go back to the club, but... I started living in that crappy lifestyle with the yeah. fornicate and the drugs and the drinking, and I kind of used your your book as a self help. <clears throat> the Bible is kind of like this self help thing, and then you let me go the way that I was going, and my my pride and and my selfishness I, I, I destructed me again. And here I am, I just fell apart, man. I mm. just. I realized that, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, Lord, I really do need you. I really do need you. So in 2017, I I was, like, on fire again, and I just decided I was I was not going back that way. Like, Des had moved out. We started, you know, going back to church together on the weekends. Um, 2017, I remember the Lord putting it on my heart, saying that, you know, because I was addicted to pornography, and like you'll he's like you'll never be able to love your wife how i have meant a marriage to be if you keep fantasizing and oh, yeah. you, you know self-satisfying all the time and and your you, your mind is fixed on somebody else and when it should be fixed on her and you don't even know what joy and satisfaction or the high of having a sexual relationship is even all about uh, that I have planned for you in your marriage, yeah. you know, and I just trusted the Lord. And the day He put that whole, on, we could do a whole yeah, podcast just on the that. day There's He so many the day He Christians put that on my heart, that. dude. I never went back. January seventh of two thousand seventeen, I had never watched porn again. I just dropped it cold turkey, and it's not even. I, I'm not even tempted to watch it anymore. I, I've, I mean, the thing that sucks is I have a videotape in my head that I like every once in a while, you know, it's like you start thinking and it's like, Oh my gosh, like I got to think about something else, man, because it's like, I've watched so much porn and I've had yeah. sex with so many women that it's like, you start getting these remembrances of it and you just got to cut it out. Like, and start thinking, like I start thinking of Bible verses and stuff. It's like, get me out of that. Like, I don't even want to yeah. remember that part of my life. Like, thank you for saving me from it, but I don't even want to remember it. And then like, so March of 2022 was the last time I did any kind of, you know, recreational drugs of 2017 in March. Um, it was, I gave that up cold Turkey done with that. And then in 2019, I gave up the the alcohol, to cold turkey, April 7th, 2019. So I've been sober since April 7th, 2019. But, you know, leading up to that, like, I was in the chapel, 2017. Huh? It was like step by step, one thing after another. Yeah, you know, yeah. And once the next thing. Right. And you know what? It was just like I did it over and over and over again. And it's like by the grace of God... You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, like, at a young age, I would wake up 
and wonder where's my motorcycle you know i was eating mushrooms i was drunk i was sniffing cocaine and i was smoking weed and i'd get on my motorcycle and ride and then i wouldn't even when i woke up in the morning i'm like okay i'm in my bed where's my motorcycle you know i'd go downstairs and it'd be laying on the front lawn like laying on the front lawn not on the kickstand like laying and it was just like I had so many close calls on that, just doing stupid stuff, driving my car drunk, not even remember how I'm getting home. Or the, I remember getting pulled over and getting let go to. Like, I mean, I'm telling you. We were the, talking about that um, a couple of podcasts ago. Like, all like when you think back on the times where you shouldn't have made it through things. Yeah. And it's like, and then it just, it reaffirms to you now that, okay, well, God got me all through all those things for a reason. And then I want to push towards, okay, Lord, what is the purpose? Like you obviously had something for me to do. Right. Right. You know? So like, what is it? So I think there's like, like, like you keep saying, that's another story. That's another story. There's a lot of things. I, I think, um, as we're nearing probably, Close to the end of this, we'll have you back on. I don't, yeah, I don't know. we've cool. got a lot to talk about. But um, I'm kind of curious. If you guys got questions, go for it. I kind of like what um, God got you through all those things, and 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 you know, protected you and guided you to where you are now. What do you do? You have a, a specific call on your life now, and a purpose? Are you still searching for exact just well I'll, I'll do what's right until i find the call or do you have something i feel like i know what the call is and but i don't so the thing with me is is like i don't want to say that's my call because then it's like well you said that's your call well it's not so like let me lead up to what i think my call is like i mean i would always be in bible studies i would be vocal about things i like to read the bible and I always did, and, like, I would talk, and people are like, well, did you ever think about being a preacher? And I'm like, no, you know, or did you ever think about being a pastor? And I'm like, no, I didn't. But it's just, like, each new relationship that I have that I build with, like, Christians, it's just, like, I'll always get that somebody asking me, like, did you ever think about preaching? And I'm like, no, I, I, I never really did, but, yes, I did you know think about it so i would always pray it like and i was afraid to pray it at first i mean i started praying it like in 2017 like like because when you start praying like like i'm gonna be transparent as all heck like you start praying about that stuff you don't really want to pray about it because you like the way that your life is and you don't want your life to change and you Mm. you know you don't want you know let's just say you have a good job and good finances you know what the life of a preacher can be um, at that time I was thinking as praying when I'm praying that stuff, you know, like, Lord, I mean, if you do, like, I remember the day I finally gave it all to him. I was on the 400, like I'll pray in my car. I was on the 400 getting off on the transit road exit. And it's probably, uh, the year 2018. And I'm like, okay, Lord, like, if you want me to start doing to preach, then you got to start preparing me. I'm like, but don't let it be my own decision. I don't want to be a preacher where the pride gets in my way. I don't want to be puffed up about it, but I, I want to be prepared like at the same time. So it's like, 
okay, God, like I want to be a preacher, but I, I want to do it on my time too, is what I'm saying. And it reminds mm. me of Moses, you know, like, like sure. you know what I mean? Like I'm not a guy of elo eloquent speech. And, and the Lord said, well, I'll give you You're what to say. not a guy of eloquent speech. Yeah. You were a yeah. rapper. What I'll, are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what to say. Like it's like I'll, I'll tell you what to say, Moses, yeah. right? So it's just like, so I prayed that for years and years and years. Not years and years and years, but I would pray that quite often. And then in the year 2020, um, COVID hits in 2020. So I'm, I got to tell a little backstory. I'm going to the chapel at Crosspoint. But before this whole COVID thing hits, there's like this six, seven, eight month period where like the preaching feels a little watered down. I'm getting kind of sick of the band at uh, this contemporary music. Like, I liked Christian contemporary music. I loved it when I got out of jail. And I bought all the CDs. Like, And I still like Phil Wickham. Like, I, I like Phil Wickham. I, I mean, there's there's some Christian contemporary music. Well, there's a few where you can feel like there's like they're or, Like, they're know. praising the Lord, and they really are. And they're not really caring about how their voice sounds and how good they are at playing an instrument. Like, you really, truly feel like there is some worship there i mean sure. pay attention to the lyrics though the lyrics will tell you everything and and uh, is it a laser light show <laughs> like if it's a laser light show then god's not in it man i just don't believe he is and i just feel like that from past experience so i started listening to that music because it wasn't that much different from the world so when somebody got in my car it's like okay well maybe this is a step into me you know talking to them about christ well 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 no because the church is not supposed to look like the world uh, and the world obviously is not supposed to look like the church when the world walks into the church they get converted to look like the church when the church walks into the world you stay the church you stay the christian you don't let the world convert you mm -hmm. so it's just like that's how i feel about this christian contemporary music i think it's bogus um i i don't like it at all and the more that i listen to it the more i dislike it but there's there's a reason why I got to there. Like, so I'm in the chapel and I'm just this, they turn the lights down, they dim the lights and this, like this, their choruses are just, there's like a mantra and a repetition over and over again. And it's more, they make you feel spiritual and there's yeah. like this aura and it tugs at your emotions and pulls your heartstrings. And, and like, eventually like any, godly man can see through that and get rid of his own wants and his own desires when a when a man who 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 loves god and i'm not again i'm not trying to speak like i'm a some spiritual giant the lord changed my life and the only time i've been able to grow is when i've taken myself out of the picture and taken myself out of the equation so when i remove my own feelings and i remove my own desires and i remove my own wants and what i want in music and i'm like okay lord it's about you that's when i can really grow and that's actually when i started growing so i'm feeling all this at the chapel and then um, i joined this uh, movie team leaders of this teen group for teens during the week and and i'm the week that i'm becoming a team leader for teenagers in this movie thing and i like i wanted to be in it for the lord but i wasn't really feeling the chapel anymore um covid hit 
But a reason I wasn't feeling the chapels, because, you know, you guys heard me tell it, but I haven't told it on the podcast, is I was going to a Bible school because I was super confused about my my faith and about my salvation and about, well, if it's by grace, why do I feel like it's by works? Like, nothing was ever clear to me, you know? So, um COVID, so I'm going to the Bible school, and in the Bible school, they give me an ESV, an English Standard Version, and that's the only one you're allowed to use here. Well, right away, it was a red flag in my head, like, what? I'm only allowed to use the ESV translation, but I walk right across the hall, which is about 15 minutes, 15 steps across the hall, and in our big giant sanctuary, the pews are filled with NIVs, and that's what we use in there. And then when every, anybody would read from... A book in the class and I specifically remember the one guy who would read from a King James Bible it would make the professor a little angry about it mm. and he's and he and he's like if you're gonna read from a Bible in here I told you the ESV is the only one you can read from in here but then he would back up and say whenever you're writing your papers we would encourage you to get a strong concordance and, and have you know seven different translations because they all say something different and I'm thinking to myself <laughs> So there's all these different translations. Like now my mind is more focused on all these different translations than than the Lord. But anyways, I continue to take these classes. So there's 12 of them. I take eight of them. But it's just like, you know, I'm memorizing verses in the NIV. Now I'm memorizing verses in the ESV. And my kids memorizing verses in the New Living Translation, the NLT, and the NIRV. And it's just like, <laughs> like I, I'm going crazy. Like, so... I decide I'm going to stop taking those courses. 2020, and let's fast forward back to 2020, COVID hits the week that I'm going to become a team leader for the teens. Um, church shuts down, or I should say campus, because it's the campus at Crosspoint or the campus in Chittawaga. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to be, you know, um, condescending about it, but it's it's the church, man. It's the church. People gather at a church house, not at a campus. A campus is for the world's education. Or unless you're going to a Bible school and you want to call it the campus, fine. But if it's the house of God, it's a church. It's not a campus. When you call your, if you're going to a place that calls itself a campus, run. Um, so they shut down. They start to open back up when things open back up in New York State. Well, they open back up, and you're only allowed to be a certain 25% capacity, 50% capacity, and and then you got to register to go. And I'm like, okay, well, I got to register to go to church. What is this? <laughs> and then they like, they want you to wear a mask, and I'm like, well, I'm not wearing a mask. So I'm just like like I'm it, being driven crazy by it. I'm like, I'm not going back there if the church that is a part of the world i don't want nothing to do with it so i'm like i gotta find a new church so i we get invited to this uh church by some friends of ours grace and truth and i don't want to go because they teach the king james bible there and i'm against the king james bible i don't know why i'm against it but it's been put in my head <laughs> that i don't speak king james or the elizabeth in english and um you know, that's an old time language. I just don't speak that way. And dude, I abused my mind and I abused my brain. Like I, 
like back like a few years ago i would have a hard time comprehending things like listen i dropped out of high school you know i wanted to be a rapper and then i got my ged at 19 but i didn't care about you know any kind of education or you know uh, so i didn't care about any of that stuff so i was like i'm definitely not reading that translation because it's hard to understand <laughs> so i get invited to the church i don't go i don't go i don't go one night there's a Bible study starting of Revelations. I get invited to King James pastors there. And I'm like, I got invited and like, kind of like, thank you, but I'm not going, you know. So I go to pick up my kids. They're going to stay at their friend's house. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to go home and do my thing. And um, all of a sudden the Lord's like, no, you're going to know that Bible study. Like I feel impressing this upon my heart because I'm following the Lord still, you know. I got the wrong book in my hand, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pursuing him, right? I'm pursuing, I'm pursuing the Lord, and and he's like, "You're gonna go to Bible study." I'm like, "No, I'm not." So I get to the next stop sign. There's like three ways to three direct paths to this Bible study, and then after that, you know, you got to go way that way, this way, and then back around to get to it. And I'm talking about at least five miles. So I'm like, "I'm not going," and the Lord's like, "You're going." Then I'm like, I get to the last stop sign. I'm like. Okay, Lord, fine, I'm going. So I go to this Bible study, and dude, I've never, and it was Pastor Caesar, like Pastor Michael Caesar, Grace and Truth Church in Amherst, man, on Bucyrus Drive. I've never heard the Bible taught like that, and it was the King James Bible, and I've never seen cross-references carried from the beginning, from Genesis to Revelations, the way he did, the way he put things together. Well, the, I shouldn't say he, the way that the Holy Ghost through him put things together because it's God's word. And if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, he is your compass and he will navigate you through the scriptures. He wrote them, you know, so it's like I've that that night, that Bible study, in the Bible study, the Lord just told me like seriously pressed it upon me it's not like he came to me in a voice and said listen son this is my bible he he like it put it on my heart like i was searching man like hard like and and this is a bible that i was against that i didn't want nothing to do with and the, it was just like again in the snap of a finger the lord is just like this is my word you need to get it so i went home and i bought it and i'm like okay lord and i prayed and i'm like lord if this is your word show it to me and if this is your word like this is a language that I am very unfamiliar with and you know I've and these this was my prayer to him like you know the Lord's real man he he desires a, a relationship your your talk and prayer life with the Lord doesn't always have to be uh, about you know you don't always have to prayer pray scripture back to him even though it is good for you and it's good for the heart and it's good for your walk and it's good for learning and it's good for your maturity and it's good for the and it helps the Lord help you keep it in your heart so that you can use it at some point in your day when the lord's going to know that you need it and the holy ghost brings it to remembrance and it's like wow yeah. powerful you know but i'm like you're gonna have to help me lord and how are we gonna do this you know and he he put it on my heart start memorizing it so i did i started memorizing psalm one psalm two psalm three psalm four like i just started memorizing scripture and the more and i would just every day i'm telling you brother like from the from 2020 uh, november of 2020 until today uh, there's very few days that i miss my bible reading very few i read the bible every single day there may be a handful of times i can count that i missed it and it's just because 
I live and I work all day. I go home and I work, and sometimes yeah, yeah. at the end of the night, I'll open it. Yeah. But after about three sentences, I'll fall asleep, you know? So, like, I try to read during the day, too. But it's just like, you know, I've never been able to comprehend or understand uh, the Bible like I have now. Um, I've done a bunch of research on it as well. Not that I needed to, but that backs up why King James Bible is right. the pure and perfect preserved word of God in the English language. Like, I mean, nobody can even try to convince me otherwise. And and if and if you have a problem with whether or not it's ask God. Who better to ask than God? Why are you asking men for one? Well, I really like something like sparked in my head when you're talking how you prayed and you're like, well, God, this isn't, I feel like my understanding is lacking here when I'm yeah. reading the King James. And it's like, what a cool experience. So, yeah, like I'm reading this. And if it's beyond my understanding, you can actually have the, you can experience God in that. Because he can reveal the scripture to you. Right. Why are we trying to take God out of the equation of understanding the Bible? Right. We have to make it easier. We have to make it easier to understand. Why are we? And that's just, there's so many instances with, with churches and people where we try to step into the shoes of the Holy Spirit and we try to be God. When it's like, well, why aren't you just, if you have trouble understanding the Bible, like, don't rewrite it. Ask, right. ask right. God. You can experience God in that moment. Right. And now you're taking away your chance at it. You know, well, like... I mean, it says that it was purified seven times, and the King James Bible is actually the seventh English translation when they everybody finally got together. I mean, of you, you got backgrounds that didn't even agree with each other. I mean, you got Presbyterians. Uh, you, you had um, Episcopalians, you had Baptists, you had all these people come together through three different schools, and they they True took scholars. Teams, they of, took you know, yeah, they 20, took 30, they took twenty four different languages. They took exactly yeah. by the age of twenty one, the one dude knew twenty four different languages. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have a TV back then. I think we talked about this. Yeah, you know, they didn't have TV. Saying, they yeah. didn't have any of that stuff, man. There was no distractions. I mean, men of God were men of God, and in their free time and their downtime they sought the lord and they put their differences aside and came together in three different schools and broke themselves down into three separate teams of seven seven is the number of completion and god is a god of numbers and there's a book of numbers in his bible i mean god is a god of numbers and actually doing number studies and like pastor caesar's awesome with the number stuff but anyways like the, the they went through some extensive translating and then they let these other teams checked their work. I mean, that's unheard of. And there was no copyright on any of it. What did the Lord say? Mm -hmm. He said to publish my word. And that's what these men did. I mean, you'll get copyrights on them if there's cross-references in there. Or, you know, I mean, you'll get... If there's commentary inside of them. But if you just got a plain text, King James Bible, there's no copyright on it. Nobody gets a royalty. Any other translation, they all get royalties. Even if, even if it's just the text by itself, there's a copyright, they get royalties. How are you getting royalties on God's word? You because know? you changed it because it's not God's word. <laughs> and like God's word says, Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. Uh, he is the shield unto those who put their trust in him. Every word of God is pure. God preserved his word from this generation forever. 
-hmm. he told the Israelites. And whenever you look through the Bible, he tells people, he tells his prophets to copy this down, to copy this down. And when they talk about the original text, you'll never get an original text because this Bible is only two years old and it's already beat up. What about all, what about the, you know, when people had God's word, it was so used, they had to continuously copy it and he used faithful men and to copy his word down he said he would preserve it do you not trust god and then when they brought those together what's one of the simplest arguments for, for for me was the king james comes from the text that came from where antioch oh yeah yeah every other version comes from the alexandrian mm, text out right. of egypt right well in the very Bible that we're talking about, what is Egypt a picture of? The world. The world. Sin. Right. Like, what... If you want something that you can trust, are you going to trust the stuff... Like, the... <laughs> the stuff that... You know, the, the the older stuff they found in, you know, garbage cans and stuff in right. Exactly. We had tissue. Or do you want the, the newer stuff that was perfected? Right. And, you know, not the stuff that was tossed away mm-hmm. that come out of Antioch. Well, gee, let me, right. Well, know. where were where were Christians first called Christians? Antioch. Yeah. You know, and that's where well, all like that's the, where all the, the traditional texts. Exactly. So. I mean, they have over 5000 manuscript evidence of the traditional Connor, text. Connor's over here. Like, I like mean, he's got to go to sleep. <laughs> he's like, I'm, but I, I'm I mean, anyways, home. anyways, I'm a hostage. That, I'm right. So, I mean, like, going back to 2017, I mean, Desiree and I, we stopped living together, and then we got married, you know, after the Lord, you know, after my our relationship fell apart, my life fell, fell apart, and I, just, I realized that I was starting to lead my child. I wasn't training her up in the right way, leading her down the wrong path and being a terrible example of to her what a, a Christian father and man is supposed to look like. So, you know, Desiree and I in 2017, of Oct- we got engaged in uh, June and then we got married in October. Um, and then we just, we started really living for the Lord, man. I mean... And, and that's some of my story. You know, that's some of my testimony. I mean... Uh, that's a lot of good stuff, man. We jammed a lot into the the Lord. The Lord really, really changed my life. I mean, it's... it's it's His word does it, man. It's it's that incorruptible seed that can, that can turn a heart that's corrupted. I mean, it's like... It's like the greatest miracle that can ever happen is you take something that is dead and corrupting... And revive it, and 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 you just you know his his word never returns void, and I mean his word speaks right to the heart, like Hebrews um, four twelve. You know his word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword. You know, piercing or what are piercing, dividing asunder this dividing asunder the soul and spirit of the joints and marrows, and as a thought and the is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It really is, you know, dividing asunder. He, you know, most of our lives, our soul runs our lives, our flesh, like our flesh is tied to the soul. Like they show that picture in the old Testament, but it's all out of order. Like with the world and the, the snares that the devil sets for us, you know, it's through the eye gate 
that we start lusting after things. It's through our eye. And so we're led by the flesh. You know, it's the flesh, then it's the soul, and then the spirit's tagging along. Well, when the word of God enters in and it hits that that dark and dead heart, it divides it asunder. So it actually puts everything back into its order. It puts the spirit on top and the soul there and then the flesh underneath it. And when your little spirit, the little S, is led by the capital S spirit, everything is led in the right order. And then you can start really seeing clearly and you can start seeing the truth and you can start seeing through the lies uh, of, of the world. And when you start seeing through the Bible, which is the lens of truth, man, and that's why it's like it's so important just to be in the word of God and, and praying and memorizing scripture every day. And I promise like who if people are listening to this and whoever listens to this, like I promise you like the Lord and maybe you guys can attest to it, too. But like the Lord just calls you to his word. Like if you don't get to his word, they like you feel terrible about it, like. But I, like I'm telling you, like it's like the yes, Lord's like, come here, son. Let me teach you. Like let me walk with you and talk with you through the scriptures. Like you'll never under. No man can teach you. He can help you understand it. That's why I put shepherds over the sheep, like pastors over church members. But nobody can help you see it more than the Lord can, especially when you're asking for the Holy Ghost who's inside of you to, to help you, to show you who the Father is, to show you who the yeah. Son is, to help you bring glory to the Father and to the Son. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I like man. looking around seeing other people's testimonies and stuff. Like It's nice to, you know, we got a lot of similarities and stuff in our, uh, in our backgrounds. And it's, I like... Um, it's neat to be a a walking proof of God. Yeah, and it's you know because you don't go from where we are to you know like we're from where bibles. we were bikes to bibles thug life to life everlasting yeah, like, without without a God like it's right. just it's just not possible without the like, only God without Jesus Christ right you know, know it's like how many people back you know that knew us back when we were you know dealing drugs and partying and fighting out in the street mm -hmm. and then would show up at you know men's prayer on a, right, on a, right. On a saturday morning uh, yeah, to come up a... and be like well in the world they're at the altar they're they're crying and they're praying and like what in the yeah. you know that's that's god you don't go from from that so right to, and to it's this without on your heart. own that's not just something yeah. you do it's like yeah. you can be a walking walking proof of the lord i, I appreciate you it's um, being like so open about you know the stuff you've gone through in your past. I wasn't really sure what to even ask, so I'm sh I'm glad that you just offered it up because it's like sometimes you don't know what to ask. You don't want to like step on a toe or a sensitive subject or whatever. But I, I appreciate you. Yeah, you got you got really it, brother. It's like because you, know? you know what Christ took that shame. I mean, it, it, the, the scriptures say, "For who the joy was set before, he endured the cross, despising the shame." And is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Like he, it was joy for him to endure that cross, even though he despised that shame. He took the shame, so I can sit here and openly give glory to him that he took my shame. There's a lot of things I, mm. I, I should be, I could be ashamed of in life, and that I would still be ashamed of if 
I didn't leave it at the cross on Christ. And if and, and he says, you know, daily to, to take up, you know, if you will follow after me, for whosoever will follow after me, let him take up his cross. You're right. You're right. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Hmm. You know, I mean, I have soul that is everlasting now that is going to to live with christ in eternity i'm so looking forward to living in that thousand years under the reign of listen don't get me wrong i'm looking forward to going to heaven and there's so many things that we're going to be able to see and i'm sure we're going to be able to uh, explore the heavens with the lord you know but it's just like i'm so ready to really learn for that thousand years of what true worship is when jesus is seated in zion and and that's where we go to worship and he's going to teach us how to truly worship the father he's going to show us what true worship is i mean there's going to where the lion is going to lay with the wolf and they're not going to kill each other or the lion's going to lay with the lamb and they're not going to kill each other you know what i mean the wolf is going to lay with the sheep and you there's not going to be, be able to eat meat i don't know <laughs> and i don't really care <laughs> i'm sure, I'm sure. If, you're eating food yeah, yeah. And, if you're eating food in heaven it's going to be pretty good yeah, yeah my so well, a lot of people say well there's no you know we're not going to eat meat in heaven. It's just we're going to we're all going to be vegetarians. And like, I says, well, why can't God give us meat that He didn't have to kill an animal for? He like, just creates. I it. says, I don't know what God you serve, but my God doesn't have limits. So we'd like to take just a short break here to remind you that if you found this podcast helpful in any way uh, with Mike's story, to go ahead and uh, leave a like and uh, share it around so that other people can uh, possibly get a blessing from it. Thank you, and we'll return. We've got a little bit left to go. Did you come with anything that you wanted to ask, or did anything? Any do you have any questions that you want to end on, or? Um, no. No. Nope. I came to listen. Okay. To be honest, well, I was nice, really interested nice having in you here. what your story was. So. Do you have anything else? Just those dumb questions I had written down. I was gonna say. Um, have any questions for us? Mm. Hmm. Mm. That could be a good one. Mm. Yeah, do you want to come back and interview the three of us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, so was like, did you when you got saved? Was it in a King James church? It was, mm -hmm. and obviously, I know you did too, right? When you were a young kid, mm -hmm. and it's like. So does like the stuff that goes on in the mega church? Not that you even have experience of experience at it, like the contemporary worship and the electric guitars and the other translations they have. Have you ever thought about like does that stuff interest you? Like maybe I got to get away from these King James Bible believing churches and try something different. Well, my. <laughs> I have been to one of those churches um, a couple times. Um, the same church, actually, I've been to a couple times, and it does. It's pretty much how you described it in my experience. How it's just kind of you know going through the motions and making you feel like you're like you're being spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, it just it's it really you know they preach out of a, a 
I think it's the ESV. Mm -hmm. And I just, I open up the KJV Bible, you know, and then ESV Church, and it, the, I just feel like I'm actually holding something with weight to it right. instead of, you know, with the giant screen and I have all the verses up Amen. there. Amen. You know, just personally, I, I have no desire to ever read any other version because. I've never gotten anything of substance from any other version. I've never had any desire to, like, get away from the King James. I've dabbled in different types of worship and different types of churches. I mean, when our church closed in 2019, it was like, okay, where are we going to go? A Pentecostal church. Um, so I was like, well, you know, I'm going to try and go there. But that was a big thing. And I was down with their pastor. And like the big thing was the different versions of the Bible and stuff. And I was like, well, I'm solid enough that just be, if they're saying something, I, I know what it, what it really says and I can you know apply it. But then it's like, well, I got kids. And then the kids are in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. And then it's how do I how do I reconcile that coming home? Big thing was like the type of worship. That being said, I mean, I've been a musician for a long time. I've got I've got songs like you could buy some of my songs on iTunes and stuff that are our church would probably call them contemporary. You know, like I got guitar souls and stuff in there and all that. And but I've struggled with that over the years because it's like, well, I know where my heart was when I wrote those songs. I wasn't trying to be incognito and, oh, hopefully somebody listened to this and they won't know it's Christian. Like, I know what I was feeling. I know what the songs are about, what the words are about, and mm-hmm. I know how much I meant it, and I feel like there's substance there. So that's why, kind of like you said, like you got to pay attention sometimes. I, I, I feel like there's so much of contemporary stuff now that there's no substance to it. And it's just like how okay here's you know here's the bars here's how we fill it in right and then we just put it out there and the music flowed and it's oh we feel lovely about it but it's mm. just like a fluff right it's not there's nothing to it mm-hmm. you know um, COVID happened that church that we went to was like okay we're taking a break. And then I was like, we were cooped up in the house. And then I ended up getting sick with COVID really, really bad. Almost died. Really, really terrible. After that, I was like, all right, I can get out of the house. I'm breathing a little bit again. I can get up. I can do a few things. I want to go to church. Nobody's having church. And then they were doing outdoor services in Little Valley. And that's how we found our church. And I mean, I was drawn to that. Like it. From the first time we went, and I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna come back again next next service," and then, "Yeah, we're gonna come back again next week," and then it was like, "Oh, you guys are having a outdoor meeting." Even I was like, "Well, we're gonna come every night of that," and I was I told Pete, "I was like, we're joining the church," and I was like, "Oh, sweet!" And then the next the first night of that meeting, we come home, and then Alana comes downstairs, and she's like, "I need to get saved," and she got saved. Wow! And within praise like, the Lord. Within thirty days of us saying this is the church we're coming to, all three of my kids got saved. Wow! Praise the Lord. And you know, it's like, so no, I don't think I've ever had any desire to like get away from anything. If anything, I've had a desire to go more towards that than. Because there, there's kind of like the natural progression sometimes in a church where it, over the years, 
things like kind of like lessen and soften and right yeah and it's like i've i've had the, like the more of a desire to like no i want to like head back towards something a little bit more substantial something a little right. firmer something a little more powerful with but still have other people around that actually are excited about doing that. Right. And that's the rough thing. A lot of times, you know, I mean, you'd be part of a church for however many years and you want to go like, I want to get something going. I want to get firm. I want to do this. And everybody around you is like, Oh, calm down. You know? And it's like, and then they just kind of take all your air out that you had. And then it's like, okay, well, I guess we'll just slip back into the same old, yeah, I can't. I can't do that. Now we're there. <laughs> Let's I gotta go keep, back yeah. into. Okay, we're here, and we sing the sing this song on monotone, and then we sit, and then we, you know, we'd rather. Okay, what time is it? Okay, is the service is almost over. My duty's almost done for the day. You know, it's like I don't want that. Right, you know, right. It's like right. it's. You, I haven't seen any. If anything, I've seen a sign like our the spirit at our church month to month gets sweeter the excitement gets more the people get it's just actually next week will be three years of us being down there and it's i've it's shown no signs of downhill for me mm-hmm. at all you know so i'm i'm real just drawn and the first thing i did when we we got the carpet in. We got the pews all put back together, and we're having a service in there. The very first thing I did was, I'm not a back pew Christian anymore. I know we got back pew shenanigans, but that was the big thing for me. It was like yeah. we sit right up, right up front, man. Second, I don't do the first pew because I feel like I got nothing to lean on when my back hurts a little. Yeah, mm-hmm. second pew, man. I'm right in the front, you know. And that's, that's I'm excited about. So it was for me since 2017. I was like front man. I got to be within the front too. Rose, I got to be in the front. When I was in the Bible classes, I got to be in the front row, man. I just can't sit in the back anymore. I want to learn. I want to learn. Well, if I'm going to be in the back, I will be getting a shenanigans. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and I, and I, and I, and I, like, I hope, like, one thing I don't want to come out of my testimony is either is that where you got Christians who are on the fence and whether they want to, you know, continue to live in this life and and dabble with sin and say well eventually you know when i'm ready i'll get there and and then take my story and say well look at all these things that you know he went through and you know he did this you know he did the drink and he did the drugs he did the sex he did the porn you know he did the motorcycle clubs he did the selling of the drugs and all that and 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 look at he's still here and he waited until he was 39 to get here well you don't know if There's if you're going to die in your sleep or if you're going to tempt the lord yeah exactly you, know you shouldn't tempt the lord and and, and do it young. Don't wait. Well, do you find that there's a, a price? Let, let me ask you this. So, I mean, yes, there's the good point of yes, tomorrow's not promised. You don't know what time you have. But also, I mean, don't you wish that you could wipe that all? Like that you didn't have to do all that. All right. I, I oh. mean, oh yeah. For for me. Like you said, you messed up your mind, you messed up your brain. Now, God has restored a lot of that. Oh, yeah, he me. has. For me, too. But there's still a lot of, there's a lot of things that I, I guess I didn't get back. And there are still things that, 
that haunt me and there's just, just a different way that my mind works now that i i remember how it worked before that right and it's like i can't quite get that back and it reminds me of the passage when god's talking about the prodigal son and he says that he traded his substance right and it's like that's that's what you're doing yeah that's good that's what that's what sin is the the price it's 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 an exchange yes you're okay here's a little bit of my substance which i mean your substance says is like eternal and you're trading your substance for a pleasure but the pleasure is momentary which perisheth and the pleasure is gone and then you're you've got this piece of your substance that's not really there anymore mm-hmm. and it's like god fills that in but it's right. still man i wish i i wish that i st- you know i didn't have that scar there i didn't you mm-hmm. know it's it's mm-hmm. just there's something about me that's just not the same right and i can't get that back and i wish that i had that level of innocence and i wish that i didn't wake up dreaming about things and i wish that i didn't have to be like god why is this movie playing in my head yeah, right now and right. i and i i you know to sit down to the relationship with my wife and uh, how i talk to my kids and it's a battle all the time yep against those scars and so it's yeah there's a, there's don't count on oh I'll do it. It's okay because it worked out for them. It's like well, exactly <laughs> on the outside. There's a lot of things. The only reason it worked out is so that God can use me. Right. But could have used like, you without it. There's a lot of broken up, scarred up, messed up stuff that. Yeah. Man, I wish I didn't have that. You mm-hmm. know. So I agree. Yep. Yeah. I and agree. If you go screwing around like that, think of how many people aren't going to get the message because you're not going about the Lord's work and that psalm that I always felt behind on is like how many people like faces am I going to have to look at that are going to hell because I didn't say anything to them about the Lord right you know what I mean that blood is on my hands now yeah you know what I mean and I think that's you got to be real conscious of what God wants you to do because there's someone out there that has to hear it. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's real. Yeah. Like you got to go out and rescue them type thing, you know, rescue the pair. You're right. I mean, I don't like, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, but don't think the blood's on your hands. I mean, a sinner is accountable for themselves and the sin that yeah. they've done. Um, and, but like they, they would have heard the gospel if I told them. Right, you have the opportunity to yeah. witness and to you be a, and to be a good testimony. And so how I, much suffering could I have saved, or like not me, but like could I help them? Right. Yeah. With if I just did what I was told. Right. You know what I mean? You, you know, I mean, you like you can't lose your salvation, but one thing a Christian can lose is his testimony, mm. and. And that's so important. Like I've it's actually like thirty years building it and losing yeah, it in the I've five actually, seconds. Like I've witnessed to somebody who's seen me be all for Christ and then be a backsliding Christian to back yeah. following hard after the Lord. And I went to him and I was witnessing to him. I'm like, I know you saw me go from Christian full on to backsliding, not Christian to where I am now. And I said, I I'm sorry, man. I said. That was not a good testimony, and I said, "There's one thing that we can lose is our so, or we can't lose our salvation, but we can lose our testimony of the Lord and what the Lord has done in our life 
to other people that you're you know that ha that have seen you change your life and then slide again to back to where you are now and sometimes you have to make amends and you got to say and then i'm sorry that you know i ruined my testimony for you and, and you may not call on the lord because of the way i live but i just want to tell you man the lord is is right the lord is sure and you know I'm following after the Lord hard again now. I've, I've repented of all that sin, and I'm aware that I wasn't a good example of what a Christian should be. Mm -hmm. You know, I've went back to friends and said that, you know, because it's true. It's true, you know. You know, a lot of people, they, they say, oh, well, you know, Christians are so judgy. Well, aren't you judging by saying Christians are so judgy? <laughs> so so you're you're doing the same exact thing. You know what I mean? And it's just like, well, the, yeah. well that's why I'm not following because they're so judgy. Well, you're judging, you're making a judgment yourself. But I understand where people judgment. are coming from when they say stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because if we want to lead people to the Lord, we should be good examples. We're trying to end now on like a new segment of Flashpoint. So we, we have a random word generator. Oh, right? boy. And then each one of us gets a random word, and you got one minute. You could talk about it. We cut you off at the one minute. It'll be hard for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you got one hey, minute. You one asked minute. me to get my test. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Hey. I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. Um, you get one minute to, I don't know about, like, preach on it, but, like, preach or teach or bring somehow bring the word, bring a spiritual aspect about the word. Okay, and we never you don't know what world kind we're of gonna start with brother get. Brian. Start right? with Brian. What was the what was the word I got last time? Like economy, economical or something. Economics like that. Like, I was like, what, am, what? How do I? You gotta do it. You gotta do it. I gave up. I think you get I one. You get one oh, man. substitution so if you really much, can't. Man. Are you ready? I guess so. Your word is helpless, and your time starts now. Okay, so. uh Without Jesus, you're helpless. Um, you're in a world, and like, there's a lot of people that are depressed and in a feeling of they feel helpless, but they can find help through Jesus. And John fourteen six, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. And Jesus can help you reach God to a, and bring it to a state where you don't feel. That you are helpless or depressed or uh, just downright negative at all times, you know, bring into a state of joy and happiness and in the presence of the Lord. And how much time do I got? Good stuff. I mean, you got like ten seconds. Oh on. man, okay, you, have some. Uh, you don't have to use it. That's okay. 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 That's good. That's good. I like it. Yeah. I was thinking of was in Psalms. Uh, lift my eyes into the hills. From whence cometh my help. Yeah, the help is of the Lord. Maker of heaven and earth. It's good stuff. Uh, Connor, are you ready? Mm, yes. Okay. Your word is colorful. Oh. Go. Um, well, the first, <laughs> the first thing I thought of was with colorful relating to the Bible was how colorful I imagine the Garden of Eden would, would have been. And how, how much more beautiful everything what would have been or could have been before the fall, and that really interests me with like all the scientific stuff behind all that, you know what the world would have looked like. And I heard that 
speaking of colorful, mm. before the fall, before the flood, really, the sky probably would have been pink because of the ice ball that would have surrounding the earth. Permanent. Yeah, and that would have affected the sunshine rays coming through, probably would have made things look a lot, a lot brighter. Like a rainbow. Hmm. Um, yes. And to tie it, maybe tie it in with Jesus, after Jesus comes into your life, things can seem a lot more colorful. Something that you used to find mundane, like going to church or something, you could find a lot of color and joy in that. Very nice. Time up. Yeah, man. Time's nice. Good job. <laughs> you are sweating. Oh, it's really hot. This is smoke this is coming out of here. I can see. Oh, I can see you going off on a tangent on this oh, one. No. Yes. Are you ready? No, I'm not going to have anything. Your word is horoscope. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one minute. One minute, and go. So I've never really gotten into horoscopes, but I feel like before Christ, I was looking through a horoscope. Like my life, <laughs> nice. the way the way the way that I was living my life, man. Um, I lo- I loved things that were of horror. Um, that was pretty much the lens of things that I looked through. I mean, you got the I got the all the evil design tattoos and stuff on my on my arm. I liked the darkness. I liked the evil and life. You could say was horror, but now that I look through the scope of the Bible and the lens of truth, um, and Jesus has changed my life, and I would call anybody to, or, or I would encourage people to, to look into God's truth and to his word, because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And um, it's the, like First Peter says, it's, um, it's being born again, not of the, uh, incorruptible uh, seed, but not of the uh, corrupt, but of the incorruptible seed, the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So, so if you don't want to look through the horror scope of life, call on the truth and and live a good life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Nice, amen. Good stuff. That was good. That was good. 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 Alright, never horror thought of Horror. <laughs> wow. Alright, my That's word is volunteer. Um, man, oh man, there's well, a lot of directions you can go with volunteer. I did start the timer. Um, I think, um, I mean, I think of Jesus. I think of how he voluntarily went to the cross and how he laid his hands out and said that, you know, no man takes my life, but I offer it up freely. And he voluntarily did that and i think of you know if we're if we're trying to be christians and trying to be christ-like that we should have the heart of a volunteer and whether it be volunteering to try to you know get out there and help spread the gospel or be trying to volunteer into helping the church but not to have the attitude of people trying to force and coax you into stuff but just voluntarily trying to live like Christ and bear one another's burdens and yeah my time's up amen all right nice. well this was uh this was a lot of fun man it was a good time it was i could have listened to your story for like another 5 hours yeah <laughs> there's probably another 5 there's hours a lot to more, it man, man. Yeah, there's a lot. I, that's I, when you when cut i got off that one time i was like well, it wasn't done <laughs> 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 i could have i could there's you know in 
like I always have to keep going back because there's these different avenues that I could start going yeah. down. But it's like, all right, let's not turn the blinker. I had the yet. same problem. It's like, and then afterwards, uh, my brother too was like, you know, you didn't bring up blah 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 and blah 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 when you did your. I was like, right. like I don't know. We were trying to keep it around an hour or so, right. and it's just like, I how many hours do you have to sit and talk about it all right. this stuff? You know, right. it's like. And I'm sure, like, there's so much though, and it's like I'm sure it's going to be a lot. People get some help out of it. For yeah, sure. yeah, so, I hope so. I hope so. You know, I mean, and it's and I prayed too before I came here to do this, and it's just like, Lord, don't let this be about me. Like, I want you know, use my testimony or parts of my story, the whole thing, you know, just to bring glory to Your name, and that you know, the eyes would be fixed on Christ, the yeah. Author and Finisher of our faith. Hmm. Yeah, I kind of had like the same prayer when we did our my interview mm-hmm. and i was like and if i do say the wrong thing just destroy the podcast <laughs> yeah. Yeah. how do we want to end this just uh why <laughs> like tell people to leave a comment I or think something or one of us people start got in the middle of a conversation or... and the screen goes like da, 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 da. you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of the biggest parts of my life da, yeah da, not, da, to, da, <laughs> not to go on and on but now i want to <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's like a, it, there's kind of the what do you call it the the idea of it's kind of there to make people laugh and smile. Like the name is back like shenanigans, mm-hmm. but it's like it's all kind of mixed in. Where it's yeah. this is this kind of stuff that I enjoy and that I kind of envision with this is kind of bringing the time of fellowship to where other people can kind of get in on it, maybe see what they're missing out on. On This is what we do when we get to fellowship. We talk about serious stuff, but we also, like there's the brotherly love, there's camaraderie, there's laughter, there's stories, there's, and you come away Racist from it. Racist jokes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Brian is not Korean. He's Native yeah. American yeah. or Mexican, depending on what skit we're doing there. Right, right. Yeah. Wait, you... You aren't Korean, but it's just uh, the idea is <laughs> just. Of, but it's just the idea is just times. you know you can come away maybe learn a little bit, but just <laughs> put a smile on somebody's face and be a help. And if nobody else gets help out of this stuff, I know I do. Yeah, amen. I mean, every time we get together yeah. and talk, I come just I got a smile. I'm uplifted. I'm encouraged. So, anyways, thanks for. That's the end. Come back next week when we talk about other things.